to the Travel Squad podcast. We adventure the world together, one passport stamp at a time. We're here to share travel news, tips, and our own adventures with you. Every Travel Tuesday, we share stories on a variety of topics, including our hometown, San Diego, hiking, weekenders, national parks, international getaways, and inspiring you to go on your own adventures, even if it starts with your own backyard. I'm Jamal. Brittany. And I'm Kim. And And we're we're the the Travel Travel Squad Squad Podcast. Podcast. So grab your ticket and your passport. And don't forget your travel insurance. And prepare for takeoff. Hello, fellow travelers. Hey, Hey, squaddies. Welcome to this week's episode of the Travel Squad Podcast. Today, we are bringing you to Yosemite National Park for an adventure in one of the most amazing places in California. Yosemite is a California National Park gem. We all grew up in Northern California, and I actually went to Yosemite quite often as I grew up, and it never gets old. There's just so much to see and do, and every time you go back, there's another area to explore or to learn about. So you can spend a week, two weeks or longer in Yosemite and do something different every single day. I dare say Yosemite is probably one of the top 10 national parks in the U.S. It might even be higher, but I'm giving that 10 scale as a little bit of buffer, you know, because there is some competition and people do have their favorites. But Yosemite is just so iconic with its grand granite cliffs towering thousand plus feet high, half dome, the waterfalls. And Brittany is right. We all grew up in Northern California. I've been to Yosemite many, many times, but it's one of those things that you appreciate it a lot. more when you're older and can enjoy that scenic beauty and I can't even believe we've made it this far without having a Yosemite episode. I actually did not go to Yosemite when we lived in Northern California. My first and only time I've been I was going back up there for a wedding and decided to spend an extra day to go out there and I feel like I was a little bit robbed of my experience. Mm -hmm. I mean I saw some good stuff when I was there but the person I went with just uh, you know wasn't the best travel buddy I'll say. Well, I'll tell you what, Kim, we've said this many times before. There's so many more hikes that Brittany has on her to-do list. I know Half Dome's on it. We've talked in previous episodes about you saying, eh, you're not really going to do Half Dome, <laughs> but we'll do a squad <laughs> trip one time when we're not doing Half Dome. You won't be with that person. You'll be with the cool squad, us, and we're going to kill it out That'll there. be much better. <laughs> so let's dive right on into this episode. As always, we're going to start off with the tip. Tips first. Tips. And this one we say every time, and that is to download offline maps. But that is so important in this park because there is no cell phone service here. None. None at all. There is no phone service, even getting close to the park, even at times. So make sure to have those downloaded offline maps in advance to cover the whole area. So if you need to route to anything in that area, including your hotel or to a trailhead, you can go ahead and get there. Tip number two is get to the park early. And the reason why we say this is twofold. One, in the morning, you're more prone to see wildlife because they're out and about and waking up for the day. And secondly, you really beat the crowds coming into the park. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we've done trails. There's people on it, but we do feel a good sense of isolation. And then on our way down is when we start seeing the crowds. And I can't even believe people are starting these hikes midday. So you do want to go ahead and beat the rush that way and get to the park early. Another tip that we have for you is to wear layers, especially when you're going in shoulder seasons. Um, It may be really cold in the morning and in the afternoon and at night, but during midday and afternoon, it can get quite hot. So you're going to want to wear some layers to pull off. 
And then going on with the wardrobe, you want to wear hiking boots that have really good grip. There's a lot of granite rocks in this park, and so it can be really slippery in the springtime when things are really wet or even because there's still snow in the springtime. That and there's lots of waterfalls. So even if you're not there in the springtime, you're going to have the mist splash up. The rocks are going to be slick and slippery. So you do want something with that good bit of grip. And I guess talking about water, the slush, the waterfalls, kind of keeping with the same theme, pack plenty of water. You're definitely going to need it on the hiking trails. And again, even though you are in the mountains during summer, if that happens to be when you go, it does get warm and you're going to want that. Also, we were talking about what to bring, what to wear. Make sure to bring crampons, especially in the shoulder season, spring. There still may be snow on the ground or at the top of peaks. And so you're going to want that just as an extra safety net. Crampons are essentially like chains for tires, but for your hiking boots that make it easier to go in the snow. Kim, what was the other term that one of your friends used to describe crampons? They were ice cleats, wasn't it? Ice cleats. Yeah, I remember that. I'm glad you actually brought that up because I was going to say we need to mention another name other than crampons because people you went to to a snowy area had no clue what the hell you were talking about. So crampons, ice cleats, whatever you want to call them, but they're basically, like you said, chains for your shoes. You need them when you're hiking in the snow. The ones that I got are really easy to put on. You just kind of put them on right over your shoes. You can do it in under 10 seconds. And so we'll link those in our Amazon storefront in our hiking products list. So you guys can get those ones too. Also another tip for you guys, in the summer, you may need to have entrance reservations. That is to enter the park. I know for the year 2022, they were required starting in May. And I want to say that they were requiring them through August or September. And so that is for you to actually even enter the park. And that doesn't include the price you pay to enter the park. So you need those reservations during the busy season. Again, that May through August, September, whatever you said. And they do change that seasonally, I guess, depending on how much traffic is coming into the park. But keeping with that theme about seasons, some roads into Yosemite are closed during certain times of the year, mainly winter. So from October to May, and sometimes even June, depending on how much snow Yosemite got that year, a very famous road into the park, Tioga Pass, is closed. So do keep that in mind. Lots of roads in and out of the park can be closed depending on the season because of the weather and snow. Tioga Pass is what connects Yosemite Valley to Mammoth. And so during the winter months, there's no way to connect the two directly together. You have to go up and around. And so just keep that in mind if you're in Mammoth and going to Yosemite or Yosemite going to Mammoth. And while we're talking about the seasons, waterfalls are best to see in spring or early summer. In this national park, they do kind of dry up towards late summer and fall. And the waterfalls are one of the biggest draws of this park, so you'll definitely want to see them when they're gushing. All right, so before we get into what to do in this park, we want to tell you where to stay in Yosemite National Park. And there are several different options. I found difficult to find one that was low cost, so you can kind of expect that, but the farther you get outside of the park, the more affordable it will get. There's one really, really cool stay that I really wanted to do, but didn't get the chance to yet. And that is Yosemite Pines. And this is located in the Groveland area. You get to stay in covered wagons. Like think back to discovering the Old West and the Oregon Trail. Trail. (laughs) Or Gold Rush. The Gold Rush. Yes. Like legit covered wagons. 
these are really cool. It's like a glamping type experience. Jamal will never do it because there's no private bathrooms. I did not want to do it because of that. And I'm glad you brought that up. Brittany mentioned this on the <laughs> last time that we went to Yosemite. Do we want to stay at these covered wagon hotels? And I asked her, does it have a restroom? And, you know, this is coming off just going to Valle de Guadalupe, staying in the Bubble Hotel. And it even had a personal private bathroom in the Bubble Hotel. So I said to myself, you know, this time, I, I really don't want to do it. I don't really want to have to wake up and actually go outside to use the restroom. I'm not saying I won't do it one day, but this time on that trip, I wasn't feeling it. Yeah, but it does look like a really cool stay. I'd be interested in trying that out in the future. And it actually wasn't as expensive as I thought it was going to be. When I looked at the dates, which were for late April, they were ranging about $250 for a night. So it wasn't terrible, terrible. But we did stay in Groveland, which is where this was. We just stayed at the Groveland Hotel. And this was a very old but historic building. And it was very personalized. And we got a complimentary drink at their bar. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Like when we checked in, I could have sworn I heard her say hotel guests get free drinks. And when she said drinks and it was plural, I was like, oh, but I thought to myself, no, that can't be true. I don't want to ask and sound like an idiot. So once we got our key and went upstairs, I asked Brittany, I said, did you hear her say free drinks? And she said, yeah, I thought she did too. So we went down to the bar afterwards and they said, yeah, you get a complimentary drink, which is still pretty, pretty good. Mm -hmm. And I really like this hotel. It is a historic building, like Brittany said. I don't think there's more than really eight rooms. So yeah. during peak season, you may not even be able to find reservations. But I mean, this hotel is literally from the 1800s mm. and they have a restaurant and bar downstairs. They even had an outdoor patio area, which was really cool. Live they had band. Live music. So after a day Ooh. in the park, I think this is a really cool hotel and fits with that theme and the Western theme that you're talking about with the covered wagons gold rush, everything like that. And it just fits perfectly into the area of Yosemite. The time that I visited, I stayed in a little town called El Portal. And this is located just outside of the park. I wanted to stay as close to the park as possible, but without paying in-park fees mm -hmm. for the stay. This was the Cedar Lodge. It's a pretty decent spot. They had several rooms, I would say, you know, your standard hotel, large amount of rooms. It did have a bar and restaurant with your typical bar food, nothing crazy. There really isn't a lot of restaurants or anything else nearby. So if you're not going to eat at that hotel restaurant, then you really should bring your own food or plan to drive pretty far. I thought this was a fine place to stay. I mean... No frills, but a decent price. The one thing, though, I will say is just be prepared that there is no cell phone service and there is no free Wi-Fi. You have to pay for it, right? Because I think do. this is one of the places I originally looked at and I was like, I have to pay for Wi-Fi? Mm, I'm going to pass. Yeah, very weird. Well, that and there was only the one place to eat. And that's why we actually ended up choosing Groveland further away from the park. But we're like, OK, well, if we stay here, we're going to have to go to Groveland anyway to get food and other stuff and then come back. So that's why we chose that. But I did like that location when we drove by it. It looked really beautiful. And we're like, oh, that's the hotel we were going to choose and that Kim stayed at. So it is very nice and quaint and very rustic and i did like that another place to stay around the park is going to be in the city of mariposa not this last time that Brittany and i went but the time before that we stayed in mariposa it's a nice little hillside mountain town and they do have a lot of mom and pop shops and i mean that in a really really good way you feel like you're in the middle of civilization but not too civilized and it still keeps that rustic charm 
and then also the city of Oakhurst, kind of same thing as Mariposa, right? Those are going to be the two most major cities, if you will, or towns that are going to be close to the park and populated. Anything closer is going to be a little bit more isolated, like we were talking about that Cedar Lodge area and El Portal, or even in Groveland. It was a little bit more populated, but still very, very small. All right, so let's get into some of the main attractions in Yosemite National Park. I mean, we already mentioned that Yosemite is famed for its giant sequoia trees, the tunnel view, the waterfalls, especially. That's why I go. Jamal always makes fun of me because I will plan trips specifically around waterfalls. Of course. But they're so beautiful. I just love seeing them in just like all of their majestic glory after snow melt and they're just gushing down. You know, I give you crap about scheduling trips and planning trips around waterfalls because we've been to Yosemite and here are the best waterfalls. I mean, you can go somewhere else and they're still nice. I mean, they're always impressive, no doubt. But here in Yosemite, they're just grand. I mean, you have Yosemite Falls. It's the tallest waterfall in North America. They have Bridal Falls, other falls that you're going to come across along. Very, very famous trails, Vernal Falls, Nevada Falls. So, I mean, when you're talking about waterfalls... Yosemite is the place for, and that's why I kind of give you crap on the other places. So would you say then you see Yosemite, you don't need to see something like Victoria Falls? Well, that's completely different. I mean, we're talking like Africa and like safaris and there's lions around, but I'm talking about within America. Okay. Alaska okay. may be a little bit different. And even I've been to Niagara Falls and uh, Niagara Falls is cool, but I feel like just because you're in nature, the waterfalls here are cooler than Niagara. I'm just going to come out and say it. That's my okay. thought. But you mentioned the tunnel view. Why don't you talk about the tunnel view, Brittany? Because I don't want to bypass that. Tunnel view is one of my favorite things about Yosemite. Yeah. So if you enter Yosemite from the south, let's say you're coming from Fresno or Oakhurst, that area, you're going to go up through the park. And one of the roads that gets you there is called Tunnel View Road. And you do go through a tunnel. And then once you exit the tunnel, you are just entering just the amazing Yosemite Valley with spectacular views. I think you can see Bridalville Falls in the distance and there is a parking lot to the left-hand side for you to pull over and get some really good scenic landscape shots. I mean, it's great. I think it is California Highway 41 that comes from Fresno, correct, Brittany? Yes, it is. And so just imagine you're coming up to a mountain and the road through it is a tunnel. It's several thousand feet long. And then once you hit that daylight, boom, bam, it is just the Yosemite Valley. And it's so awesome. And quite honestly, if you enter the park through another way, it's really, you know, you're going to see the valley. It's going to be pretty. But I think that tunnel view coming in that way is just exceptional. Okay, so getting into hiking trails, I think one of the most popular trails in Yosemite is the Mist Trail. This one's about seven miles, and there's several different waterfalls you can see along this trail. So if you don't want to do the full seven miles, you can see some of them and turn back. And in fact, if you go in the earlier spring or winter months, you may not even be able to get fully through the trail. Yeah, because of the waterfalls, there's a lot of ice and slush and water runoff. So it could close the trail or make it unsafe. So Jamal and I did it in 2020 for his birthday. But Kim's also done this trail too. Kim, did you do both Vernal Falls and Nevada Falls? Yes, we went up and saw both of the falls and then, you know, came on back. Was this before 30 or after 30, Kim? Because you talked about you can just kind of go up and turn around and make it a little out and back. <laughs> or did you do the full seven and do the loop? I don't know if we actually did the full, but this was the trail 
where I saw a bear. Oh, wow. What part of the trail did you see it on? In the very beginning when it's like flat, you know? Uh-huh. Kind of by the parking lot as you're coming it, up in the campground yeah, area. Yeah, it wasn't even that far. I was walking along the trail. There were people coming back uh, from the other side of the trail, staring and taking pictures into the side of the trail. And we were looking, trying to see what are they looking at. Couldn't see anything. And then as soon as we get past, bam, bam, a bear sprints out from behind us like, two feet from me pretty much to the other side of the trail and then starts digging around for food, totally minding its own business. That's awesome. We didn't see one while we were on the trail, but while we were looking for parking, we passed by a campground in the car and there was a bear walking through the campground. Well, I think we had already found parking and we were starting to make our way to the trail because the parking lot for that trail was full. So we did like an overflow parking lot that's kind of more by the campgrounds and yeah the bear was just going through the campground just all casual everyone's just kind of chilling you know (laughs) i've told you before you know i'm not really too scared of black bears and don't fuck around with them no doubt but for the most part if you see them you shouldn't really be scared they're just minding their own business i definitely screamed but only because it was just like it just popped Popped out. out Yeah. Well, that's amazing. So on the first waterfall you're going to get to on this trail is called Vernal Falls. And it's about a thousand feet in elevation gain to get to the top of it. And while you're hiking it, you have to go up a very steep granite stairway of like 600 steps. But that whole way up is just beautiful views of the waterfall. It's one where you you get the first glimpse of the falls, you start to take pictures, then you go up a little bit more and you're like, oh, this is a better view. Got to take some more pictures. And so you could be taking pictures the entire way up. And And while we were hiking it, just during the time of day, there was the sun was hitting the water perfectly. And so there was just a nice rainbow on it as well. And it made for a really good scenic shot. You should really just Google Miss Trail Yosemite and see what we're talking about. I mean, these are granite steps that they have leading up to the waterfall. And I think that's one of the really coolest aspects of this trail is all the steps that they have and how it's carved out of the true granite that they have there that's you know known in the region for that matter. So really, really cool trail scenic wise all around, even without the waterfall. I'll do you one better. Go to travelsquadpodcast.com slash blog. We put all of our new episodes into blog posts with tons of pictures from the trip. So if you want to see this staircase and mist trail, it'll be right there waiting for you. Even better than Google. And then when you get to the top of Vernal Falls, you can actually get to the railing and look down and you can see the whole 317 foot waterfall splashing down the side of the falls. It can be really crowded in the summer though. When we got to the top, there was quite a few people up there and there was actually an area where you're not supposed to swim, but there were so many people swimming in that like area as well. It was a hot day. Um, It was a very hot day. They needed to bring the rangers out there and enforce it though. I'm not going to lie. I mean, if they tell you don't swim in a national park, it's for a reason. So kind of jacked, but you know. PSA. Thank you, Jamal. You're very welcome. Hey squaddies, we want to share one of our favorite travel products with you. Liquid IV is a category winning hydration brand fueling your well-being while traveling. One stick fits into 16 ounces of water to give you three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks and hydrates you two times faster than water alone. Their half ounce hydration multiplier powder packet is the one product you need in every suitcase, carry-on, and day pack. We use it while flying on planes because flights can be so dehydrating We use it when we feel jet lagged, when we're out on a hike, and after a long night out that has us feeling worn out. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. Liquid IV also now comes in 12 delicious and refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting. Our favorites are the lemon lime and tangerine with immune support. 
It's made with premium ingredients, all non-GMO and gluten, dairy, and soy-free. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use Travel Squad Podcast at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code TRAVELSQUADPODCAST at liquidiv.com. Hey, squaddies. Let's take a quick detour to talk about our travel itineraries that we've created just for you. We just launched several new international trip itineraries, including Tulum and Japan. This is on top of the itineraries we already have for U.S. trips like the Hawaiian island of Kauai, the U.S. Virgin Islands, as well as national park trip itineraries, including Utah's Mighty Five National Parks and a week at Grand Teton and Yellowstone. These fully built out 20 to 30 page PDF guides are available for instant download on our site right now. Every detail of the trip is laid out for you, so all you have to do is download, book, show up, and have fun. The itineraries tell you where to fly into, the exact route to take, where to stay, park entrance prices, where to eat, driving distance between attractions, the things to see and do, even the hikes we recommend, their mileage, and the time to allot for each one, and believe it or not, so much more. Be sure to head over to TravelSquadPodcast.com to download your very own comprehensive travel itinerary today. So continuing on from Vernal Falls on the Mist Trail, if you go a little bit further, you're going to come across another waterfall, Nevada Falls. And you could say, how many do I really want to see? But each one is more impressive than the last, quite honestly. And it just fits with the whole theme of what we're talking about, Yosemite. It's just really known for having beautiful waterfalls. I want to say I went in 2018 and I went in March and I think it was like mid-March. I can't remember exactly, but it was either Vernal Falls or right after Nevada Falls where the trail actually you could not go any further because of the snow. The trail was closed. Oh, it probably was right after Nevada Falls because at the top of Nevada Falls, that's where you start the hike up to Half Dome. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And so I would have done it, Jamal, but I couldn't. Okay. (laughs) Weather-related incident for you. Yes. Okay, I respect that. But when you get to the top of Nevada Falls, there's actually a footbridge that goes across the falls, which is really cool to see. When we went, we said again, we went in late July for Jamal's birthday. Right when we got to the top, there started to be a little bit of a thunderstorm. Ooh. And that, that just like the noise of the thunder, you're just kind of like... What? What's going on? And then it just started pouring on us. That's kind of cool. It was actually really cool because at that point we were really at the top and we can see views into the valley. So we I don't want to say we were in the clouds. The clouds were a little bit higher, but it was that awesome ambiance about it. But it only lasted for about 10 minutes and then the sun was right back out and really hot that day. So the rain was a nice little cool down. And one thing that we didn't mention in the tips, if you are going to be doing these longer trails, do bring food with you in your backpack, banana, apple, beef jerky, get a pre-made sandwich from Subway or anywhere else for that matter and bring it with you because a lot of these hikes, you know, if you're staying in the valley, it is what it is. It's going to be flat. But if you are actually going and doing hikes, like we said, they have granite wall peaks that are thousand plus feet high. So how much elevation do you think you're really going to be gaining on these trails and hikes? A lot. So it is going to be a burner. You do want to have food. So I just want to throw that in there as I'm reminiscing 
talking about this. Yeah, to get to the top of Nevada Falls, it's about 1,900 feet in elevation gain. And once you're at the very top, again, I was talking about that footbridge that you get to cross. And from there, you can look down and this waterfall is like 594 feet. So lots of water gushing down side of these falls. You can also take the mist trail back or you can go down the John Mural Trail, which is the trail that we went down. And it had really, really good views of Liberty Cap and Nevada Falls. And so that was a really nice trail. It's a little bit longer, though, in length than the Mist Trail. Yeah, and that John Muir Trail that Brittany's talking about, keep in mind, we're talking about the portion within Yosemite. If you were a real avid backpacker, you could take this trail and hike it even further south all the way to Kings Canyon and Sequoia National Park, which is another 80 to 100 miles further south in the Sierra Nevada. So it's a very, very long trail, but just the continuation on from the mist trail down back into the valley. And if you remember back quite a few episodes back with uh, an episode we did with Hiking with Britt, where we had a guest on our podcast, she actually did this trail as well, but she did it in late fall. And she was saying that because she did it in late fall, that these waterfalls were pretty dried up. So they weren't as impressive as everyone was making them out to be. But when we did it, they were still pretty decent. And that was in late July. And Kim, you went in early March, April, did you feel like there was a lot of waterfall flow? Oh, there was a lot. Yeah. But again, like the snow. So we recommended in the beginning, May, June, I think that really is the sweet spot. Yeah. Where it's not too icy. You can do the whole trail and have really good waterfalls. Another epic hike that you could do in the area, hello, hello, talking more waterfalls is going to be Yosemite Falls. And this is the hike that Brittany and I did on our more recent trip to Yosemite. And like I had already mentioned, Yosemite Falls is North America's tallest waterfall. And cool fact, I don't know what time of year it is, so I apologize for not having this information handy. It's also known as the Fire Falls because the sun will be beaming down on it at a certain time of year during sunset. And it looks like the waterfall literally is on fire. It's a very famous thing to go into the park and actually see it during that time. Yeah, so this waterfall is 2,425 feet tall. Crazy, crazy, crazy tall. Jamal and I stood at the base of this when we went for his birthday trip in late July. But at this time, the waterfall wasn't gushing as much. This is like the one waterfall I was like, oh, I'm probably the least impressed with. But you could see how large it was. And when we stood at the base of it, I told Jamal, I want to hike to the top during spring. And so during our last trip, that's exactly what we did. Well, when you're at the base of it also, they actually have a miniature model of what the trail looks like. So we were looking at it, discussing it, saying, hey, next time we come to Yosemite, we're doing this. And sure enough, we did. But you mentioned it's 2,425 feet tall. We had to climb 2,425 feet high <laughs> just to get to it. As a matter of fact, I think higher. higher. I think it's like a 3,000 foot elevation gain that you truly have for this waterfall hike. Yeah, this is 10 times taller than Niagara Falls. Wow. Double the Empire State Building. Like it is super, super tall and it is a burner. If you go to the base of the falls, you can still really enjoy it. You'll get really good photo opportunities. To hike to the top, it's about seven miles and 3,200 feet in elevation gain. If you're not into the burner hikes, you can see this falls from far away too. Like as you're driving, you could see it. And then when you get to the base, obviously it's extremely impressive. So if you're going to the park with non-hikers, this is a great 
thing to see in Yosemite National Park. And also, you don't have to go all the way to the top. You can hike to different portions of the falls and still get really, really great views. Um, We actually found that some of the best views were not from the top of this hike, actually. Interesting. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that. So squad tip for you guys. Brittany and I, as we were talking about earlier, got to the park early, did this all to ourselves pretty much. I mean, there were people on the trail, but we had read things online that pretty much said once you're three quarters of the way up and you can actually get views of the waterfall at certain points on this trail, not just from the bottom, but when you're actually on your elevation gain, that's really going to be the best views that you have. And quite honestly, that is the honest truth. If you go to the top, you can barely see the water actually like flowing over the granite cliff's edge. You can actually see it, but you get amazing views of Yosemite Valley from the top. So that's really the payoff is the views of Yosemite Valley. And even the most iconic view of Yosemite Valley, which would be Half Dome, you could barely see it. Only like a quarter of Half Dome can you see from the summit of Yosemite Falls. So do it for the novelty and to say that you've done it and the view of Yosemite Valley, it's great. But the best views of the waterfall are three quarters of the way up. If you don't want to go to the top, once you can stop seeing the waterfall from the incline, then I would say maybe that would be a good turnaround point for you if you don't care about what I just talked about. And you get full views of Half Dome at the same time. So you get like a twofer, half dome to the right, the waterfall to the left. That's where you're going to get the best views. And while we were hiking down, we kept hearing people. It was kind of like when we were on the Inca Trail where like everyone's like moaning and groaning on your way up and we're like on our way down. We're like, haha, suckas. <laughs> <laughs> and one group in particular was like, oh my God, this sucks. Is it even going to be worth it? So she stopped us and said, honestly, are the views worth it from the top? And we're like, actually the best views, if you're going for the views, are going to be pretty close close to here. And so they're like, okay, we're just going to hike a little bit farther to get just those views, but not make it to the actual top. But we did make it to the top. And so I would say about 60% of the trail was not covered in snow, but the very top third was covered in snow. And we really did need our crampons. I feel like if we didn't have them, we would have been slipping and sliding quite a lot bit more. It was very slushy and some parts were pretty steep as well. And so it was just nice to have the security of the crampons, just feeling a little bit more secure and safe while we were doing that trek. There'll be several points along this trail that you can actually see good views into the valley you know, obviously the higher you get, the better it's going to be and better views of the waterfall. But again, if you don't really want to go all the way to the top, like you were saying, Kim, you can still get amazing views and it's a nice hike. And honestly, on our first half of the hike, do you remember when we came across the family of deer just kind of migrating their way Mm -hmm. down the mountain and everything? So that was really cool. I mean, you could definitely going to see wildlife. We didn't see a bear on this trip, which was disappointing. I would have loved to see another one, but they are there rest assured. And then when you do get to the very, very top of this hike, if you make it up there, Like Jamal said, there's some really amazing views of the valley, but then we were like, where's the waterfall? And so there's actually a little side trail that will take you down um, these pretty steep steps. And there's this railing that you kind of have to hold on to, and you can get to the top of the waterfall. And there's going to be some railing that you could look over and see the falls go down. That can be a little scary though. That little portion of the hike, it's very, very narrow and parts of it are exposed. And so we were hiking back up from it and someone had peeked their head around the corner and she goes, yep, that's a no for me. And she's like, that's a little too intense. And she didn't go down there. If you did this one, Kim, I think you could have made it. I was a little, yeah, yeah, I do think so. <laughs> I know I know you're timid of heights, but the point where it is kind of steep and you have to hold the rail, if 
you were to fall, there's the platform area where you actually have your overlook. So it's not like it would be a fall to uh, one's demise. You know, it's not a matter of if someone can do it or if I can do it. It's a matter of enjoying life and (laughs) the experiences that I'm putting myself in. And you wouldn't enjoy it. I don't enjoy being anxious and heart racing and scared and having to repeat in my head, you got this, you got this, you got this. I just want to be leisurely and look at pretty views and waterfalls. I feel you on that. (laughs) The good news is it's only like a 20, 25 foot stretch where it's like that. So not terrible. So not missing much. Not missing much. (laughs) But you won't get to that view area. Good thing we have the pictures on our website. Yeah. (laughs) So another really awesome waterfall, and this is kind of more hidden. It's not in Yosemite Valley. It's kind of in the outskirts of Yosemite. It's called Wapama Falls, and this is in the Hetch Hetchy area. This area is very well known for backpacking, and so um, it is a little bit farther to get to if you're staying like near Yosemite Valley, but if you're staying on like the outskirts like Groveland, it's not super far because it's on like the outskirts of that. But one thing to know, and we Jamal and I found this out, is that the day area, if you're only going to do day hiking, it's only open from eight to five. Yeah, they're real hard on that gate entrance, eight to five, and we were locked out of it. So before we really get into Wapama Falls, I kind of want to touch upon this. You did mention, Brittany, how this is kind of backcountry area. It's not in Yosemite Valley. So when people think of Yosemite, the main iconic thing is Yosemite Valley. It's that small little valley that was carved out by a glacier. That's why you have those steep thousand plus foot high granite cliffs and walls. And it really is, to be honest, a small area in the valley where most people are congregated. The trails from there do spread out in the valley. But Wapama Falls is in the Hetch Hetchy area, which you cannot get to from Yosemite Valley. You have a complete... Well, you can get there if you want to hike 40 miles. Yeah. by oh, no big deal. By car, you cannot get there from Yosemite Valley. But yes, Correct. thank you so much for that clarification, Brittany. If you're an avid backpacker and backcountry person who wants to do it overnight do that. I think that would actually be really, really fun. But separate entrance area by car. This is a dammed up area. So there is a lake there. And just a little tidbit of information, that dam and all that water feeds into San Francisco. So the Hetch Hetchy area is basically what keeps San Francisco alive with water all coming from Yosemite. So as we were driving to Wapama Falls, from the road, we could see it. We could see across the reservoir. We could see just like this huge waterfall just coming down the side of it. And we were super, super excited to be able to hike next to it. This hike is actually relatively flat. I I do say that it does go up and down. Um, So there is a bit of an elevation gain when you add it all up about a thousand feet, but it felt very doable in comparison to the other hikes like Miss Falls or the top of Yosemite Falls. Yeah, I wouldn't even say a thousand feet in elevation. That's elevation. What That's what it said on all trails. Well, all trails, I think, may be leading us astray. Maybe it was, but like you said, even if it was, you don't feel it that way because where you park to start this trail, the parking lot is at the very end of the dam. So you have to walk across the dam to go ahead and start the trail. And once the dam is over, then you have a tunnel that you walk through, and then you have that little flat portion that goes along the lake before, as you get closer to the waterfalls, there is the up, down, up, down, but very gradual to where you really don't feel the incline like Brittany was saying. Yeah, and Wapama Falls is about a thousand feet tall. So it's pretty tall waterfall, and it just comes down the side of this cliff. There are these footbridges at the very base, and 
before you even get to the footbridges, you can feel the mist and the spray of the falls just on you so much so that you are going to want to have a light rain jacket. We actually put them on because it was just so misty, so wet. And then when we got on the footbridge, we were getting completely soaked. It would have looked like we showered if we didn't have this rain jacket on. Oh yeah. You definitely want to have the jacket here. This is where those layers come into play that we were talking about in the tips. I mean, you'll get soaked if you do not have a jacket in this area, but I really do like this area around the falls because you're right, Brittany, they do have those foot bridges. So it makes it really, really cool, really scenic as you're looking up to the waterfall or even turning around and looking out at the lake. It's really just the first footbridge that gets you the wettest. If you continue on to the other footbridges, you still get really awesome views of Wapama Falls and you're not getting wet. So those are probably some of the better photo opportunities. Uh, when we went, we got there right when it opened. We were entering the gates right at eight. And so we were the first people on the trail and we came across some backpackers who were leaving and they said, you guys are the first people we've come across today. So that was really cool to just like have it to ourselves for a bit. And kind of speaking about that and the backpackers were being real serious eight to five before they closed the gates and if you aren't backpacking or spending the night they will lock that gate on you and you will be stuck in there so they tell you leave the dam at around 4 30 no later than that otherwise you're going to be locked in and either spending the night in the car or making yourself a little makeshift <laughs> fort out there with the other backpackers and maybe they'll share provisions with you if uh, you come across them Get out by five. Get out by five. Another thing about this waterfall is when it's really, really, really gushing, when there's heavy snow melt, it can actually be, the water could be running across these footbridges and can be super dangerous um, and they won't let you pass that. So just keep that in mind. That's why we decided to go in late April because I guess in late March and early April, that's when that could happen possibly. And then as you head back, the views are just really beautiful. You're going to be on the shore of the reservoir the entire time. There are other waterfalls along the trail and it's just really, really nice. And so I do recommend this hike. I feel like it was off the beaten path at a Yosemite Valley and it was just a little different than what we've experienced before in Yosemite. So I would love to go back to Yosemite. I know, Kim, we were talking about how your trip wasn't the best there and you would probably yeah. go back as well. But there are so many other hikes to do. You know, there's always the Half Dome. There's Clouds Rest. There's a beautiful lake called Mirror Lake, and it gives a really good reflection of the granite cliffs that Ooh. I would love to go see. I love that. When you see a lake and you can see the reflection of the trees, the mountains, the cliffs, whatever it is, that's a beautiful mm -hmm. shot. So I would love to go back with you and experience that. And oh, I would that. love to go with you. You too, Jamal. Oh, well, of course. Thank, thank <laughs> you. I don't want to be excluded on this one. And, uh, you know, I know Brittany mentioned Half Dome. I know you're not going to join us on that, but maybe you could join the first half and do the Mist Falls Trail again, because yes. that's the trail that you would take to veer off then to Half Dome. But I know I mentioned this earlier. And again, I, I don't really remember the dates, but I do want to go back and look at the Yosemite Falls firefalls do yourself a favor quite honestly you know we haven't been there during this time so we don't have a photo to put up on our website for you to go look like the other ones but google yosemite falls firefalls it looks like lava coming from these granite peaks at the right time so i just beautiful i want to see it and yosemite national park is a park that i will always continue to go back to i really do love it 
It looked like it happened in February of this year, from February 10th through 28th of 2022 is when you could see Yosemite firefalls. Well, that time has passed, so I guess around that same time in 2023. But I guess those were the dates that it was happening here in 2022. So, you know, just look for when that's going to happen. They obviously know based off of astrological calculations or whatever and when it's actually going to happen. And then also, you know, we did talk a lot about hikes and some of them were pretty strenuous, really just driving around the valley you'll just have a lot of scenic beauty and you can get out there's a lot of rest stops and like areas to park and just get out and go through like the little meadows take some really great photos as we were even leaving the the park and driving out there were just a ton of people just parking and just taking really great scenic shots around sunset so you can enjoy the park even if you're not a hiker yeah and i was gonna say tioga pass when it is open during non-winter seasons would be a really good time to see more of the park that most people really don't because a lot of people stay in the valley tioga pass is going to take you out of the valley through the mountains and again onto the eastern slopes and even eastern valleys of california and out and there's going to be a lot of great overlooks in that area so if you aren't the hiker that would be the time to go and do that and i, I really can't wait to do tioga pass because again most people really see only yosemite valley and that's that small concentration area of where people are but yosemite is very very large a lot of it is just backcountry wilderness so you'll see most of that on the Tioga Pass Road. Jamal and I have actually talked about it would be really cool because, you know, we live in Southern California to go up to Yosemite Valley, then cross over Tioga Pass and then come home through like the Mammoth Passageway and just do like that huge loop. Mm, that would be nice. Go up on the Western Sierras and come down on the Eastern side. And then when you come down on the Eastern side further south, you can actually see Mount, Mount Whitney, Whitney, which is the tallest mountain in the contiguous United States. That one's in Sequoia, but it's a whole Sierra Nevada mountain loop that you can do on the road when Tioga Pass is open. I think that would be absolutely epic. There is a lot to do there. And now I just want to move on to my favorite time of the week because we also have a lot of questions of the week this week. Oh, yes, we do. Yosemite is a hot national park and you all have a lot of questions for us. So the first one is one that we've looked into quite a bit. They're asking, how do you get a half dome permit? So you actually have to apply for a permit. It's a lottery system. And so you have to go on recreation.gov. The application period is open for the entire month of March. And then they release the results in mid-April to see if you've received them. We've actually tried to get a half dome permit before unsuccessfully. Mm -hmm. So it is pretty competitive. Looking back, I'm, I'm glad we did not get it. <laughs> You wouldn't have made your way up the uh, little chain and rope section there, Kim. You I think just I would have stopped. had a freak out. Kim would have had a freak <laughs> out. You would have pulled a Jamal and had a freak out? Yes, okay. for sure. Okay. Well, but respectable. I know somebody who got a half dome permit, was really excited to hike it. And then that's when the forest fires came in through Yosemite. Aww. So they closed the park for a good bit of time because of that. And I don't think she's going to be going back anytime soon, unfortunately. But she wasn't able to secure her permit that she won. And it's very hard to get those. Everyone wants to do the half dome hike, except for Kim, apparently. <laughs> you know, there are statistics online that show you're going to have better chances if you want to book during the week or what time of year. The cables are open basically through, I want to say, Memorial Day to like the end of October-ish. So there is... A good amount of time to do it during the summer. You can also try to do it like two days before your trip 
they have another lottery system that you can apply to and you'll find out like the day before if you can actually hike it or not. Question number two goes along with question number one. Ryan asked us on Instagram if Half Dome is scary. He said, can I do it? Well, I don't know. I guess that really depends. I mean, Kim thought she could do it and then saw really what the cable chains look like. And I think the experience at Zion National Park and doing the chains yes. over there has really done it for Kim. So I think it really depends on where your comfort factor is. Are you scared of heights? And again, like you were saying, we're talking about Yosemite Falls. You don't want to have that anxious feeling. So if you're okay with that and that's not going to bother you, I would say yes. Just do keep in mind, this is a 16 mile round trip hike all the way from the valley to the top of Half Dome. And we were talking earlier about Vernal Falls, Nevada Falls. Those are high elevations that you're actually going to be gaining. And that is the start of the trail to Half Dome. There's just a little offshoot that you would go in the opposite direction. So based off of how we kind of describe that and continuing to hike a little bit more, I'll leave that up to you. I definitely do think it's doable. People do it literally every day, except for the days that it's closed because of weather during the winter season. So I would say yes, just know what you're getting into. You can definitely go on YouTube and see videos of people. I think it looks scary when you're looking at it from afar and seeing the people climb the chains, mm -hmm. but the videos where they're actually on the chains doesn't look as scary when you're in it. I think it's scary because there's a lot of people. It is pretty high up. So it's for sure doable. And, and I think if you successfully do it or when you successfully do it, you're not going to regret it. You're going to love that you had that experience. Yeah. Everyone that I've talked to that has done it has said it's been like one of the most amazing hiking experiences they've ever had. So, you know, Ryan, I hope that Jamal and I get to hike this one day and we can really let you know. And if you happen to beat us to it, DM us and let us know how it was. I hope we can convince Kim also. I hope so. Maybe, maybe. Who knows? Things change. <laughs> TBD. And moving on to question number three from Stella. Stella's asking, what were your favorite places to eat in Yosemite National Park? You know, there's not a ton of options because it's pretty limited out there. In the park, you either have to bring your own food into the park or within the park, there are some hotels and they do have some dining rooms. So the Awani dining room is a good place to eat. At Yosemite Valley Lodge, right outside of it, there's a base camp eatery, which is more like a food court. So they have some options as well. Um, and then there's a village grill, which I think the village grill, is that where there's multiple places to eat? It's the busiest part in the park. I think so. I did go in there and I thought they had tons of food options. Obviously, it comes with the price of being one of the only food places in the park. But there was a lot there. And if I didn't already have things figured out, I would have eaten there. And in Curry Village, they have a place to eat pizza and there's a pavilion as well. So there are some food options in the park, but you're limited to that. So I know we didn't eat any of the pizza there, ladies, on any of our trips, but let's ask ourselves, do we think it's going to be better than what they had in Kings Canyon on that Easter trip one time for us? Ooh, I think you need to play that by ear. I don't trust any National Park pizza anymore. Which is a shame because, <laughs> yeah, that really disappointed me. But I've eaten in some of the bigger National Parks that actually have these type of cafeterias and stuff. And the food, for the most part, is decent and pretty good. I don't know what happened with us on that pizza that day. That was a major, major disappointment. So hopefully the curry village pizza is going to be better than the one that we had at king's canyon question number four coming in about lodging again they're asking where is the best lodging closest to yosemite national park 
earlier, we talked about a lot of places around Yosemite National Park, not necessarily within it, but there is the Yosemite Valley Lodge, which is right across from Yosemite Falls. This one is pretty pricey for the night, but super convenient, really close to the base camp eatery as well. And the Awani Hotel, that's more of a splurge item. That's if you're really going all out, maybe you're celebrating an anniversary or something really special. And then there are also glamping experiences within the park as well. But again, you probably won't have any service. So if that's not important to you, these are good places to stay. You know, the irony of us talking about there being no service. Do you know the one place that we actually had service in the park? The Village Eatery? Negative. On the top Top of Yosemite Yosemite Falls. Falls. Got Ah. some 5G action going on up there. And that was about the extent of it. So unless you're willing to trek up 3,000 plus feet, you're not really going to have it. And do check and see if these lodges have Wi-Fi. I'm sure they do. If not all of them, some of them. But yeah, I've never stayed in a national park in one of these hotels. I'd like to do it. But at the same time, it's like, ugh. yeah, I mean, it's a captive audience. I mean, you're about to be spending 300 plus night for a hotel and I just can't do that. You know, I'd rather have the drive. If you go into it knowing this is what I'm going to pay, I'm expecting to do it. I'm on board with it. Then, you know, special occasions are great for that. Agreed. All right, squaddies. Thank you so much for tuning into our Yosemite episode this week. Keep the adventures going with us on TikTok now and Instagram at Travel Squad Podcast and send us in your questions of the week. If you found the information in this episode to be useful or if you thought we were just plain funny, please be sure to share it with a friend that you know would enjoy it too. And as always, please subscribe, rate and review our podcast and tune in every Travel Tuesday for new episodes. Stay tuned for next week's episode. We have some more exciting adventures and tips in store for you. Bye, everybody. Bye,